0: Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with part two of this message entitled, Who Believes in the Bible Anymore? If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Now here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and 10 the subject is who believes the Bible anymore. Why should we believe in the Bible? What happens if we don't believe in the Bible? And I dealt with four points which I don't want to repeat. But I thought I told you there are certain repercussions (laughs) if We don't believe in the gospel. God sends you the gospel for you and for your salvation. But if you reject that gospel, the gospel, the word of God is sent against you. And let me warn you that you cannot treat the word of God with contempt. Because it is the word of God. And I made the point that in this life itself, you will reap serious, inexorable, necessary, negative consequences. And in the world to come. So, fifth point is, God knows... How to apply pressure. And he has a way of increasing it. He starts with the least degree. And he what? Increases it. Until it results in your repentance or in your judgment. Until it results in your life or in your death, the word of God becomes fragrance of life, or what? Smell of death. So turn with me to the book of Leviticus. Now, certainly, I said, our God is the Lord of history. He transcends history, <laughs> And he deals with all agents and people of history. He deals with his people, as well as every other people in the world. He deals with Egypt. He deals with Assyria. He deals with Medo-Persia, Babylon, Greece, Rome, every power, every nation. Everybody is under his government whether they acknowledge him or not. So, Leviticus 26 gives us an idea of the way he operates, particularly uh, to uh, his people. Leviticus 26, beginning with verse 14. But if you do not listen to me, and carry out all these commands, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws, and fail to carry out all my commands, and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring upon you sudden terror, wasting diseases and fever, That will destroy your sight and drain away your life. You will plant seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you. And you will flee even when no one is pursuing you. Don't you ever think that he is powerless like a parent who is powerless like Isaac whose eyesight is failing his Lord is God he knows you and he will deal with you and he will apply pressure without emotional disturbance and verse 18 if after all this you will not listen to me I will punish you for your sin seven times over. I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. Your strength will be spent in vain because your soil will not yield its crops nor will the trees of the land yield their fruit. Are you getting the idea? All right, verse 21, if you remain hostile toward me and refuse to listen to me, I will multiply your afflictions seven times over. As your sins deserve, I will send wild animals against you. And they will rob you of your children, destroy your cattle, and make you so few in number that your roads will be deserted. Increased pressure. Verse 23, if in spite of these things you do not accept my correction but continue to be hostile toward me, I myself will be hostile toward you and will afflict you for your sins seven times over. And I'll bring the sword upon you to avenge the breaking of the covenant. Where is that proud man? Where is that proud woman? Where are you sitting? I want to see you. If you dare, show yourself. Because I want to present to you a God who will lop you off and cut you down in this life and in the life to come. Raise your hand, identify yourself, and tell me I'm arrogant, I'm stubborn. I will not listen to God. I want to see you. Let's move on. Verse 27. If in spite of this, you still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile toward me, then in my anger I will be hostile toward you, and I myself will punish you for your sins seven times over. And read the next sentence. Take a look at it. God is not very emotional. It happened. If you read the book of Lamentations, it happened. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters and so on. Verse 33, I will scatter you among the nation and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Where is that young man? Where is that teenager? Where is that middle-aged person? Where is that professor? Where is that philosopher? Where is the debater of this world? Where is that wise person? Where is the person who says, you know, the Bible is not very clear? I want a little more clarity. Where is that man? He will apply pressure. Turn with me to another verse in the same chapter, verse forty. But, If they will confess their sins and the sins of their fathers, their treachery against me and their hostility toward me, which made me hostile toward them so that I send them into the land of their enemies, then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sins, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and so on. God will show mercy. God is not going to save any arrogant person. So you see, why should I believe in the Bible? Mm. If you listen to it, you will believe in the Bible. Because you don't get away from him. I have seen it, even in this church. How God put pressure on people. He does, even right now. He puts pressure to every defiant person. God is God and law, He is Lord. He demands absolute obedience and total worship. All right, let's turn to the book of Isaiah. And there is a, a statement that is repeated in chapter 9 and chapter 10. The same idea in Leviticus 26, but this idea is repeated. First, nine Isaiah 9 and verse 12. Remember in verse 11, God said, But the Lord has strengthened residents' foes against them and has spurred their enemies on. In other words, God, the Lord of the universe, controls Assyria, and Assyria is going to come against Everybody. In other words, Assyria is a club, a rod in the hand of God. You see, what is happening in history is not accident. It is by divine plan and purpose. He lifts somebody up and he brings somebody down. Notice then. In other words, God poured out his anger and wrath and fury upon certain people and verse 12 at the end yet for all this his anger is not turned away his hand is still appraised in other words his hand anger is not finished he has more and more in store for you that's the idea oh you think well you know i'm having a hard time <laughs> Oh, God, stop it. God says, no deal. I will not stop it until you humble. Until you humble and listen to me, revere me, respect me, listen to me, obey me completely, worship me, adore me. Because I'm God. So what is it for all this what? His anger is not turned away. More is coming. Turn to verse 17. Therefore the Lord will take no pleasure in the young man, nor will he pity the fatherless and widows. Verse uh, 17. For everyone is ungodly and wicked, every mouth speak vileness. Yet for all this, see, God causes his anger to fall again. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still what? Appraised. More is coming. He knows when to stop. When do you think he will stop? You surrender to him. You submit to him. You don't play games with him. You don't manipulate him. He knows when somebody has fallen down in humility. I told you only two attitudes we bring to God. One of arrogance or what? One of humility. Read the Beatitudes. Turn to verse 21. You see, a God... Because Ephraim and Manasseh, the northern kingdom, didn't want to follow God, they became so self-centered and acquisitive, <laughs> they are fighting against each other. <laughs> that's what selfishness does. Fighting against his own brother and against Judah. And that's the story. And yet, yet for all this, remember, his anger is not turned away, his hand is what? Still appraised. Same ideas as we read in Leviticus 26. And move on to chapter 10. Woe oh, to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees. This is speaking about the judges in, in Israel <laughs> who were oppressing poor people by not administering justice properly. They were under the thumb of the rich people. They were oppressing poor people. Making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. And verse 3. What will you do? On the day of reckoning in Hebrew. On the day of visitation. Visitation of whom? (laughs) The boss. The boss will visit you in history. In your personal history. He will visit you. He would say render me an account of your life. All right, look at verse 4. Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. What a choice. What a choice. Now listen, yet for all this, what? His anger is not turned away, his hand is still appraised. Now, you have some respect now for God? He has power, He's is almighty. He will deal with you. Turn with me to John chapter 3 and verse 36. A good verse to remember and memorize. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Isn't that very simple? He simply says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Whoever believes in the Son has what? Eternal life. That's what we need. We need eternal life. And he gives it gratis on the basis of faith in his son. But did you say you don't want to believe? Oh, why should I believe in the Bible, in the gospel? Well, read the rest of the verse. It says this, But whoever rejects the son will not see life. Meaning eternal life. For God's wrath remains on him. The fury, the anger, the wrath of God (laughs) remains on him. Forever and ever and ever. That's what hell is all about. Eternal life for those who receive the gospel and eternal damnation for those who will reject him. Number six. A sixth point, did you say, why should I believe in the Bible? Why should I believe in the gospel? Why should I trust in Jesus Christ? Number six, there is no escape from his grip of you. No escape. So let's turn to that passage which we already read. Isaiah 10 and verse 3. Oh, you are carrying on your sin and everything else. And and now there is this question in verse 3. What will you do on the day of reckoning, visitation, accounting? See, Enron, you know, Enron was having a good, <laughs> good, uh, good life. <laughs> a bunch of thieves were the heads of these companies. Bunch of thieves, absolute thieves. And they thought they could get away with it. And the day of reckoning came for them. That's the idea. What will you do on the day of reckoning? What's the answer? You cannot do anything. You cannot run away. You cannot escape. That's the expected answer is what? You cannot do anything. Oh, how, how about your arrogance? How about your arrogance? How about your statement, the Bible is not all that clear, Bible is full of error, full of contradiction, I don't, I don't believe in it. <laughs> you believe everything else that shows a lie. This is the only book that God has given. This is the only religion that is a religion of revelation. This is the only book that tells truth. Give an answer, what will you do? Nothing, you can do nothing. Not only that, it says, another question, when disaster, uh, to whom will you run for help on the day of reckoning? To your mother? Your mother died, did you know that? Your mother died long ago. Uh, Oh, maybe you will run to see your professor who taught you this (laughs) unbelief when you went to... uh, University. He died too. (laughs) That's a problem. He died. He's over there. (laughs) He was over there. Where? See, I wrote an article years ago about the life in Davis. It finally winds up where? And, uh, no, before cemetery, there's a place. Convalescent place. And he was there. Are you looking for your professor? He was there, but I heard recently what? He died. He also died. To whom can you go? The answer is what? Nobody. Because you are under his what? Grip. And not only that, there is another question. Where will you leave your riches? In other words, you are so arrogant. Because what? You have two dollars. That's why. Or you appear to be handsome. Or you appear to have some brilliance and says where are you going to leave your riches from him (laughs) nowhere in other words all are accountable to him people of god as well as unbelievers take a look at verse 12 of chapter 10 when the lord has finished all his work against mount zion and jerusalem that means church you see, that St. Peter tells us in 1 Peter four seventeen 17, judgment must first begin where? He knows how to handle you. You were pretty nice until you went to the university and then you lost your faith. <laughs> and you wander around like a smart aleck. And you treat the pastor and everybody else with contempt who speak from the word of God. <laughs> He's going to deal with Mount Zion, he's going to deal with Jerusalem, and when he is finished with them first, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eyes. Everybody is under his control, no escape. It is appointed for man once to die, and then comes judgment. And St. Paul tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess including the tongue of Muhammad and everybody else that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now let me ask you does God's judgment cause people to repent? Now who who can give me the answer? God pours out his judgment, his wrath. You think that will make people repent? No. No. Turn with me to Isaiah 9 and verse 13. See, God poured out his wrath and all that, but look at the verse. But the people have not what? Returned. There means people have not repented. People have not returned to him who... Uh, you think you think they will return people have not returned to him who struck him nor have they sought the lord almighty or go home and read revelation nine verse twenty and twenty one revelation sixteen nine and eleven it tells us that in spite of god's outpouring of his wrath they still did not repent but cursed him Number seven, the last point I want to make. There is going to be a remnant who will receive the word and be saved. You may not receive. You may reject. But there will be a remnant, a people of God, who will receive the word. Who will believe the word. Who will treasure the word as Mary treasured the word in her heart. There will be a people of God. If God's ultimate plan is to destroy all people, he could have done so without any great effort. But his ultimate plan is to save a people. They will receive the word. And let's therefore turn to uh, chapter 10, beginning with the verse 20. In that day, the, uh, the remnant of Israel, the survivors of the house of Jacob, will no longer rely on him who struck them down. That is Assyria. Let me tell you, Assyria has only one purpose in mind. Satan has only one purpose in mind. What is that? To strike you down. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's his purpose. You trusted him. You served him. But all of a sudden, they wake up to the fact, they say, no longer... Uh, We want to be subject to Assyria. No longer we want to serve Satan. No longer. In that day, the remnant of Israel, the survivors of the house of Jacob, will no longer rely on him who struck them down, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. There is a people who will trust and the Holy One of Israel revealed himself in Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. It's an interesting word. Rely means lean upon. It's a clear definition of faith. And you find that word in Second Samuel chapter 1. And I believe uh, verse 6. This Amalekite boy is describing the situation of Saul. And he was wounded, mortally wounded. And this Malachite boy says, I saw him leaning upon his spear. That's the idea here. Faith is weakness resting upon God's strength. What is faith? Weakness resting upon strength of God. And in that day... They will stop leaning upon Assyria and they will rely, truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return, a remnant of Jacob will return to what? Mighty God. Take a look at it. It says Mighty God. Now we saw Mighty God in chapter 9 and verse 6. Hmm? His name is what? Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who is he? As the Messiah. The remnant will rely truly on the mighty God who is the Son, the Messiah. To us a child is what? Born as Son is given. You see, there is a people who will come running to trust in Jesus Christ. Without fear. They will come with eagerness. They will love the gospel. They will say to the preacher, preach it. Preacher, we love that what you are saying. I repent of my sin. I return to the mighty God. I return to Jesus Christ. I surrender to him all my life and all my mind, all my might, all my future, all my past. I am weak, but I lean on. The strength who is the mighty God. So the question is, are all people going to reject the word of God? Are there going to be some who would believe the word and honor the Lord of the word and be saved? The answer is what? Come on. Yes. There are some who will believe God's word and be saved. They are represented by Isaiah's son. What's his name? Shiar Yashub means what? A, the, a remnant shall return. I see a son is representing the people of God. A remnant shall return to God almighty. They are remnant, they are survivors. They stop trusting in Assyria. They trust in the Holy One, the mighty God. But turn with me to a very interesting passage in verse twenty five. Remember that thing I said, the hand is what? Still appraised. The wrath of God, the fury of God. But verse 25 has a profound statement. What does it say? Let's read it. Very soon my anger against you will end. What a profound statement. Now the question is, how can that be? Do you have an answer? It was poured upon Christ on the cross. For his people. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For what the law was unable to do, powerless to do in that it was weakened by our sinful nature. God did it. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man. As a sin offering. He emptied the wrath that was due us upon his own son. And so Isaiah sees this and declares in verse 25 of chapter 10. Very soon my anger against you will end. And it has ended. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Christ died for our sins. Very soon, my anger against you will end. And so, let me tell you what happened. I will read it to you, because the anger is ended. Verse 27, in that day, their burden will be lifted from your shoulders. Isn't that amazing? Come unto me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, because... The burden that was put on you by Satan will be what? Lifted and thrown out. Why? The anger against us ended on the cross. What else? Verse 27. The yoke will be broken. There was a yoke put upon by whom? By Satan. And the Lord Jesus Christ has taken it and broke it and threw it away. You cannot believe it. That's what rest is all about. Come unto me. I will give you rest. And you feel it. You cannot believe it. You don't know why. You don't deserve it. The wrath should come upon you. It should remain upon you. But it ended. The burdens are lifted. The yoke is broken. The shackles are broken. You are set free. That's what salvation is. Even today, the word of the Lord is coming to you. It is not far from you. It is near you. The personal word came down from heaven. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He died for us and was raised for us. So today we preach the word of salvation. St. Paul says this, the word is near you. It is in your mouth. And in your heart, that is the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It is still coming. That word is still coming. Coming to you, coming to everybody who is listening to my voice. Christians must believe in him. Jews must believe in him. Muslims must believe in him. Because he alone is Lord, he alone is God, he alone is Savior, he alone is the way, the truth and the life. He alone suffered God's wrath for us. He alone lifts away our burdens and breaks our yoke. He alone gives rest to the weary. Why should anyone believe in the Bible? As I said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not believe in him, the wrath is not ended. Don't ever think of that. For the believer, the wrath has ended. For the unbeliever, the wrath is not ended. It will be poured out upon you. That is called hell. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to tremble before your word. Help us more than trembling. Help us to believe your word. Because your word brings to us salvation. Your word proclaims your God reigneth. Help us, O Lord, to Welcome his rule. Hallelujah. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. Thank you, O God, for saving us. We bless you, O God. And anyone here, O God, who is still not believing in your son have mercy upon enable that person also to trust in you that their burdens may be lifted their yoke may be broken and they may enter into peace and rest that you alone can give this we pray in Jesus name Amen You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.